Welcome to season two of Your Shelf or Mine. I'm Becky Standle, Youth Services Specialist at the Longview Public Library. And I'm Elizabeth Partridge, Adult Services Librarian at the Longview Public Library. And we are beyond excited. Beyond. For season two. Season two. Woohoo. So I really like that our seasons go with kind of like the school year. It's, yeah. 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 So what are we talking about first? You want to talk about some stuff that's coming up? I some do. Stuff that already came up or... Stuff that's coming up. All right. Came you... up? Nothing's come up. N- nothing has come up? Mm. I've been gone. True. Right. Nothing's come up. So um, <laughs> the, let me just a bunch of mushrooms stuff. that came up. And I saw I a picture of your mushrooms. <laughs> picked them. <laughs> and then last night I made soup. They were huge. Um, the picture I took and posted on Instagram was like the best one oh, I picked. Course. I was like, wow, this is this like is a, Instagram This worthy. is the platonic ideal of a chanterelle. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. All right. So some things that are happening at the library. We have uh, Beth Norwood going into the Koth gallery. Koth. I wasn't sure if I was going to say Koth or Koth right there. So I believe it's Koth gallery. Goes up on September 9th through September 30th. In the glass case, we'll have the Southern Washington Mineralogical. Can you say that word? Mineralogical. Yeah, you Mineralogical, did it Mineralogical Society. On September 17th from 5 to 8 p.m., we have United Healthcare AARP Medicare Education happening. And that is during the week of Medicare Education Week, which I didn't even know there was such a thing. Me neither. But there is. Did you know that this week is Washington Ciders Week? I didn't know that either. Yeah. I feel so uneducated. Well. You need to tell me more things. I just learned this yesterday. That's awesome. So we are also having a SCORE seminar on the 21st. It's the tax seminar to get everybody ready for tax season. So come in, sign up. Um, Paige Turner's is uh, doing Carnegie's Maid on September 23rd. The Kids Book Club is doing I Love You, Michael Collins on September 25th. And September 24th, back a day. Sorry, I got yours in there. Sorry. uh, National Voter Registration Day is September 24th. I'm going to put a sign up about that, but I haven't done it yet. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) But those are the only events that I wrote down. Well, I have some more. You should say them so our story times resume or all the kind of regular youth programming resumes this fourth week of september so starting on the 23rd Mm -hmm. so our teen nights start again tuesday september 24th we are doing sharpie mugs oh fun yeah did you do that before we yeah it's been like a couple years so not with this cohort of youth of utes of ute just with the ute that are like grown now right and then we do have a lot of cool teen programs coming up. I'm really excited about some of the ones that we're doing. Of course, I didn't bring my full list. Of course not. Of course. But um, like Jacob is doing a hot sauce taste test. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm going to mostly sit that out because I am a wuss when it comes to well, hot I have sauce. some good, really hot ones. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to buy these. Yeah. And we have to make like certain rules so that kids don't like, hurt themselves. Right. 
Yeah. Daniel got me one at the that brew fest thing that you went to. Oh. Yeah. Ghost chilies. Mm-hmm. It's warm. Yeah. I didn't try that wow. one. But I've tried their other, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that's not going to harm me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those are you know, good limits you set for yourself. I do. <laughs> I try to set limits ever since you made that curry that blistered the roof of my mouth. I told you. I told you it was going to be hot. I added a whole other can <laughs> of co- coconut milk to that. She added like a pound and of rice. Still, and it was a, like I barely had any. It just like bubbled behind my front teeth. I had to barely throw, had I had to any. throw it away. It was warm. I, Even for me, it was really warm. And I like it hot. So. That, this is the first and only time that's happened to me. But since then, I'm like, I'm going to be really careful. <laughs> I was like, should I go to the dentist? <laughs> it almost makes me think that there was something else in there that reacted. Maybe. Yeah, because that's just crazy burnt. Yeah, and it, yeah. it hurt me more than it tasted spicy. Yeah, see, yeah. that's just weird. Yeah, maybe I had some sort of allergic reaction. You could have. I mean, it's canned curry. It could have anything <laughs> in it. <laughs> So anyways, hot sauce taste test. We're going to be um, putting together like an interactive hocus pocus. Oh, fun. Yeah. And I don't know. We're doing some other fun stuff. You that can check it out fun. on our website. There's the whole list of uh, fun things. Fun things. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then like you said, our kids book club mm-hmm. it starts again Wednesday the 25th. Mm-hmm. And it's September 5th. Those books still haven't come from. The kid books still haven't yeah. come? How, I well, mean, that's just ridiculous. I know. How are they supposed to read it before book club? Maybe you guys will just read it during book club. Maybe. We might have to. We might have to. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that'd well. be fun too, though. Yeah. They'd still get Jennifer's going to be starting in October a little kids book club. Oh, no kidding. Um, What's the first one? I don't know what she's chosen, but oh. they're all going to be like kind of early readers. Right. Um, So that first one is on October 9th. That's fun. Yeah. I'm excited so about So I think that. they're going to have the book beforehand so they can read it and then they'll come in and then mm-hmm. they'll read it together and they'll have like an activity to do. Uh-huh. It'll be really cute. Cool. There's been, we've gotten like a lot of requests for something in between, like for little kids after they started school. Right. So I think that'll be good. That will be good. And then our Mother Goose story time or baby story time also starts again Wednesday, September 25th. That's um, Wednesday mornings at 1030. Preschool story time starts the 26th, Thursday mornings at 1030. And toddler time starts the 27th. <laughs> That's story time. I think that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be nice. What else? You and Daniel have plans for the 19th of this month, correct? Yeah. So in our next episode, we are going to be talking about scary stories to tell in the dark. Right. Oh, I was going to loan him my copies of those books. I keep forgetting them at home. Oh. We went and saw the movie. So we Let's have... just leave it at that. We have opinions. Yes. We have our own opinions to talk about about movies We today, saw a movie though. and we have opinions. We, we do have strong opinions. Um, I was telling a friend of mine, like, I could have my, there's a podcast where I compare books to movies uh-huh. and how they're the worst. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you could do that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. I'd be self-indulgent, probably. Yeah. I don't know. It's so, fun to just like, uh, yeah, so I much. hate that so much. Yeah. It's Somet- always fun to say, some- I hate that so much. Sometimes I like them. Yeah. So I was looking at my You Can LPL Reading Challenge 2019 piece of paper. Yeah. I only have two more books to read. <gasps> And you already read one of them. 
mm-hmm. a book set in Scandinavia. I did, and we already talked about that here on the show. Yes, yeah, so that day I wasn't here. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one was a book by journalists or about journalism. And I've read that one, too. And I kind of that. did talk about my book. You did. I remember that. What ones haven't we talked about, though? Let me see your piece of Take it. Here. Take it. Oh, we haven't talked about our short stories. <gasps> we can do... Let's, when you come back, we'll do that. Okay. Because I haven't read The first one in October? No. Wait, yes. Okay. (laughs) I was like, wait, when am I coming back? No. No. Yes. Yes. All right. So what's that one called? The Book of Short Stories? No, the Children of Blood and Bone next one. Oh. Children of Virtue and Vengeance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first book left us on a cliffhanger. I guess we did kind of talk about that one, though, because you had read it and I'd read it. Mm Mm-hmm. We did talk about it a little bit. I just um, didn't. I didn't read a different book this year yet to talk about for that category. Meh. Maybe I, we don't need to talk about it. We've talked about that book a lot. Speaking of books, we've talked about a lot. Um, actually, let's do our reading challenge book discussion, and then we can talk about Pet Cemetery. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about the book set in Australia or New Zealand this time. Yeah. And I read The Bone People by Carrie Hulm. And that is in New Zealand. It is New Zealand. And it's based on the Maori culture. And it is an interesting story. It won the Booker Prize. Can you tell me what year that was? I think it was 1985. But let me (gasps) That was my year. For sure. It might have been 1986. Maybe I thought it was 1985, though. Um, the Bone People is... So this Carrie Hulm took 12 years to write this and was turned down by every single publisher that she gave it to. And apparently she's just through tenacity alone kept going, kept going, kept going. Finally, it was published. And in 1985, it actually won the, the Booker Prize. The most prestigious Right, for any books in written the- in UK, Ireland. So... It is not an easy book to read. Let me just say that. It has lots of words in it, in, and big words, and words you need to look up, and it has a lot of discussion in Maori. So there's a um, glossary at the end that has books in Maori. And I will tell you, you know my, my you know, standard mode of operation is if you can't make it through it, just don't make it through it. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, I don't have another book I can read, so I'm going to have to make it through this. Otherwise, I probably would have stopped at the beginning because it was oh. painful to read at the beginning in terms of keeping track. Because it's just kind of like stream of consciousness writing mm. and you're you're with these people in the present and then you're off in some wacko, I'm thinking this stuff. And it has nothing to do with anything, but I'm, you know, kind of separating myself from the situation. So here's a bunch of words that have no context, but they're big words and they're flowery words and they sound kind of neat together, but they have no context. So about, I don't know, a third of the way in, I started to understand what the story was (laughs) because I didn't even understand what the story was at the beginning. And then the last third was good. It was it's a heart-wrenching story. It is um, attempted, I think it's an attempt by this woman to bring together kind of um, where Maori people are now, well, 1985, um, and separation from their culture, separation from their land, separation from how they think. And the people that are in this are not even full Maori. They're only part Maori, but that kind of shows the separation from, mm-hmm. from their culture. And now they're going back to it. And... Um, 
there's a lot of things in here that you have you have to just jump in on faith that it's gonna get somewhere because there are <laughs> I was reading it and I was like I need a thesaurus or something because she's using one she's got to have like a thesaurus <laughs> just right in front of her because I'm not kidding some of these some of these short little paragraphs they describe one tiny little thing but she uses a hundred words to describe this one tiny little thing and so you really have to pay attention or you'll get lost so you really have to just kind of barrel through. You do. You have to barrel through. Seriously, it's the theme of the day. Do you think you'd like ever read it again? I... Like, I wonder if it's one of those books, like, it's better, like, the second I time. I don't know if I would, because that first part really... I mean, I might pick it up from the middle <laughs> and keep going from there. But I don't think I want to read the beginning again. So the story is this woman uh, lives by herself in this tower on this beach because she has uh, separated herself from her family. She's pretty much disowned them. She won the lottery, so she's got tons of money. But she doesn't she doesn't associate with people at all. And then this man has this little boy that they found in a shipwreck. And he's had him for four years. And so he treats him like his son. But... Um, this boy is only six years old and he's quite precocious and he gets into a lot of trouble and it turns out that the guy who is now his dad beats the holy crap out of him on a regular basis. And so the whole story is, you know, you've got this woman who has separated herself completely from society, but now that she's associating with these two people who have such a dark story and the little boy absolutely loves both of them, even though the dad almost kills him he still wants to only be with him. And then the dad feels horrible for doing what he's doing, but he can't figure out how to get out because in his history, his wife and his biological son died from the flu right after they found this little boy. And so he resents the little boy for living while his own family died. And it's horribly sad. It's horribly sad. But the end, I mean, it was really... The last third of the book, I read all of that in one sitting because it was compelling. That sounds pretty intense. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So I'm glad that I stuck with it mm -hmm. through the beginning because that, the language at the beginning, it sets you up for, I'm not kidding. I sat there and I have a fairly good vocabulary <laughs> and I sat there reading through these paragraphs like, I don't know what she's trying to say to <laughs> You're me. You're like, so wait, what just happened? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and I, and the problem was that I had no context. I had never heard of this book prior to this challenge. I had never looked it up. And uh, the only reason I looked it up was for my New Zealand portion. But it also, in, it, it mixes Maori into all of the conversations. So fortunately, there is that glossary at the end. So is the author Maori? I think it's very interesting because as I was reading um, the history of the book, they were saying that this woman, the character in the book, is definitely a stand-in for this author. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because her name is Carrie Hulme, and the the protagonist woman is Carolyn Holmes. So, oh. yeah. But it was, I, I will say, I would say, I will say, I would say, okay. it is worth reading. It is not easy to read, and it's horribly sad and interesting. You do get some insight into culture and how people have to deal with cultures being taken away from them. Mm -hmm. So 
there was a lot in this short little book, and I would say you'll increase your um, vocabulary by reading it. It's good. Except for that first part. That was hard. So he said short, but this book isn't really short. It's not short. It's like 450 pages long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a little longer than Just I like let a on. quick little yeah. read. <laughs> it was not a quick little read. It was actually, it was actually um, one of the more difficult books for me to get into in a long time. But I'm glad I stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that you persevered in reading. Yeah. Because you know me. I'm yeah. You're like, like I'm dude, not going to read this I hate book. This. Do you know like, The Life of Pi? I loved that book. Uh-huh. It took me three stinking times to get through that first 50 pages. I thought I was going to throw the book across the room. When I was a kid and in high school and stuff, I had this copy of The Red Badge of Courage. And so I tried to read it several times. And it's, mm. it is a very short book. Right. And I was like, oh, this book is boring. I can't read it. Then my last year of college, it was like I took a, a class on Theodore Dreiser and mm-hmm. it was assigned like I was like, before we start talking about Dreiser, we're going to talk, you know, like you read this and this other book. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the theme was like the American dream. Anyways, so I read that one mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, this was really good. It took me like an hour to read it. I was like, I can't believe I couldn't get through this uh-huh. before. And the friend of mine was like, you're just really used to reading super boring books now. That's You've been it doing is. it for three years. <laughs> Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <A> nice break. <laughs> yeah. And if, you know, it was the theater advisor class. So right. It's not, they're not, you know, thrillers. Right. <laughs> but I really did love An American Tragedy. Yeah. That's also a very depressing book. Yeah. Well, this ends on a positive note, just throwing that out there. That's but, good. But to get there, you really got to go down in the gutter, so... It's super sad. I mean, and... So does it take place, like, in a rural area? It is, yeah. It's it's a small town, um, uh, I think, in the south. And then they travel to the north, and then they come back south. So, But it's a very small community, and it's, it's a um, mostly... I think it's a Maori community that's adjacent to a non-Maori community... But I think that the, what they are saying or what she is saying in this book is that there is no, you really have to travel to get to only Maori community. You really are mixed in and mm-hmm. and the two of them are only a, a little bit Maori, but they, uh, uh, they. Her and the boy. The boy is not. No, her at, and the her man. And the man. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, but they, um, it it registers with them so deeply that they, consider themselves Maori, mm-hmm. even though she's only like an eighth Maori and he's a quarter or something like that. Uh, they both speak Maori and they, they carry on conversations mm-hmm. in Maori and he teaches the boy Maori, even though the boy is not even close to being Maori. But they live in that culture, even though they're separated from it mm-hmm. through generations and space. So I think there are many levels of story in this book. There's the the Maori culture, there's language, there's family relationships, there's separation, there's mental illness, there's all all kinds of things happening in this book. It's really, I would say read it. I would say barrel through, because I'm not kidding. It's hard to get into. But worth it in the end. Worth it in the end. At the end, oh my gosh, when that stuff started to go down, I was just, you know, my jaw dropped, because I didn't. I didn't expect what happened. And Did that book make you cry? No. Are you a crier? The um, elegance of the hedgehog, I cried like a 
baby on that one. That one really made me sad. Did this you book cry? Made me cry. Okay. I'm a big crier though. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, anything, anything can make me cry. Well, let's hear it. Okay. 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 So the book that I read is called Holier Than Thou, and it's by Laura Buzo, okay. who is an Australian writer. This is her second book. And I bought this book a couple of years ago, and I ordered it because it's not published in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I ordered it from the Uke. Right. As one says. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it retains all its original like Australian-ness. Mm-hmm. Typically when publishers publish, I mean, especially YA, I guess I don't know much about other areas of publishing right. <laughs> um they like americanize it right um so Change like all the slang yeah yeah mm-hmm. so you understand what's happening right. and then this wasn't done at all in this one and this isn't a young adult book i think a lot of people categorize it as new adults oh, okay the main character is 24 oh, okay but like laura buzo's other book was a ya book and it was published in the united states as Love and Other Perishable Items, Mm -hmm. but its Australian title was Good Oil. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And that's just like a slang phrase we don't have here. Right, right. And it was really good. Yeah. And this one was really good, too. Let's hear about this one. Okay. Okay. So the main character's name is Holly, and the title comes comes from her friend that she works with calls her Hollier Than Thou. (laughs) So she is 24, and she's just started a career as a social worker. Okay. And she works... So that's kind of interesting because they're, you know, their social services and their governments and stuff run differently than ours. And she doesn't explain it because why would she? So it's kind of just like going with the flow because mm-hmm. I don't really know what's happening. But she works as a social worker for some health service um, in like a uh, made up a Sydney suburb. Mm-hmm. And her co-worker, Nick, is a nurse. Okay. So they like go out together as like a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and do like home visits to all these people who have problems. Okay. And so like that's kind of like the main through story. And then it flashes back a lot to her father dying. He died when she was in high school. So that process. And then also this friendship that she had with a guy in her neighborhood who like she was in love with. And then like it never happened. And oh. they were really good friends through college. And then he like started dating this girl and totally ghosted her. And right. she hasn't seen him or heard from him. Since. Since. Wow. And also she has, um, with her new job, got an apartment with her current boyfriend. Um, so it's like about like kind of being on your own for the first time right. and your first job. And also about a lot about working in the service. Okay. Like public service. Right. Which is a lot of stuff that like, I don't know. It, I'm not, we're not social workers, no. obviously. Right. But we do see that kind of stuff at Every the library day. a lot. Right. And so... That kind of hit home in like a lot of different places too. Right. And so she has like all these ideals that she's trying to live up to. And her dad was a professor um, and like a well-known, their political parties are different there too, but like left, okay. left, left wing, like, mm-hmm. a, you know, he liberal. No, because no. liberals are conservatives in Australia. Okay. All right, but for us, yeah. he would be liberal. <laughs> yeah. So like, and he would like write stuff a lot of the times. Mm. And so like her friend says pretty early on in the book that she's trying to like impress a ghost with her life. Okay. And it just leads her to kind of getting burned out. And she's a social worker. Right. Yeah. So two things don't go together here. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, yeah. So she's trying to, you know, 
have a like a like a career and a right. life that right. like is in service to people and kind of resents her friends for like going into the public sector mm-hmm. and she's a little holier than that yeah uh-huh. so that comes up like a lot yeah anyways it was really good there's no like like cohesive plot I would say mm-hmm. it's just like a lot about like I don't know, like a second coming of age almost of mm-hmm. just like being an adult for the first time. So it's just another step. Yeah. 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 And it like a lot of the themes of the book is like she thinks that because like when her dad died, she was a teenager. Her little brother was like eight and her mom, you know, like took care of him until he died and then grieved for like three years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so she never really did that because she was like holding it together for everybody. And then she's never really taking care of that yeah mm-hmm. she's never really mm-hmm. dealt with that and has felt like you know she has to be like really strong for her mother right. and right. Right. um all of this stuff so yeah so a big part of like the theme of this book especially with her dad and then this relationship that didn't happen with this guy mm-hmm. is kind of like thinking that you're over something and then realizing like a couple years later you're not that you're not yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i really i really liked it a lot yeah it's amazing in life what things come back to you yeah. yeah. And then reading this book. And she's only 24. Who knows what's yeah. going to come and later. And reading this book, Jeez. like stuff came back to me. Oh, no. I was like, oh, yeah. I remember being 24. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being 24. Holy. Yeah. yeah. So that was holier than now. Yeah. So, really so it was good. Yeah. There were times I definitely put the book down and picked up my phone to like look up what things oh, were. Sure. Fibro Shack. What? I didn't know Sounds what that like was. a disease. It's like fibromyalgia. A, they're like a, a style of house that was built like post-war. In so is it like fiberglass? No, it it's like it's made out of um, asbestos. Oh, nice. Yeah, like it's asbestos very concrete. Nice. Okay, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So it's just a molded house. Uh, like yeah, they yeah. like make panels and then they put the house Dang. together. Oh, so it's just a modular kind of house. Yeah. Okay. But with asbestos in it. Yeah. Nice. It's me primarily with asbestos. Nice. It can't be good for you. Uh, if, I mean, I think if nothing happens to it. You don't break a hole in your wall. Yeah. <laughs> and then lick it. Yeah. Just don't try to remodel. <laughs> Just don't touch the walls at all. Don't even run into them. Um, don't disturb them. Right. But apparently there's like tons of them. Because like I Googled it and I was like, oh all these photos and mm-hmm. they're like this was like a big well that, that's reminiscent of after world war ii when they made all of the houses here where they were just boom, boom, mm-hmm. little little rectangles and they were all exactly the yeah. same just in a million of them at once yep that's basically what yeah. that was yeah and there was i don't know a few other things where i was like there are very few that mean yeah. there are very few words on those pages these pages yeah well compared to your book yeah yeah my book is 450 pages of cram as many things into it as you can this book was also like pretty funny was it funny yeah that is something i didn't see a lot of in my (laughs) book was humor i'm not i you know i i think that it may have made me think pretty deeply though because i keep looking at it and thinking oh and that happened oh and that happened so it 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 had enough in it to compel me to be contemplating it yeah this book does a lot of so it, there's like a first chapter they get to her and nick go to like a client's house and find that he's hung himself oh and so way to start yeah hmm. i guess it's all uphill from there yeah and he's like <laughs> get out 
call, you know, not the dead guy. No, <laughs> get out. He says it to her like, "You don't have to look at this." Right. I'm the medical person right, here, and I'm right. going to deal with that. You call like an ambulance. Right. And then it's like one year earlier, okay. but then it's it was. I guess it's necessary that it says this, otherwise it'd be really confusing. But there's time jumps throughout the book, and it never does that again. Oh. So it's never like, now here I am, like, in year 10. Right. And here I am back in college now, and then here I am, like, a... That's crazy. Yeah. Um, And you get used to it. Right. But it's like, she'll be taking a walk, and then she'll remember, like, yesterday, and then come back to wherever she was going on her walk. And it's weird, because I read a book, a Sarah Dustin book, actually... The other day that does the same kind of like skipping, like, you know, like she's going somewhere. Oh, this is what happened last night. Here I am now. It's a little. Yeah. It's like they're discombobulated. Weird choices. Yeah. And it only would work in a book. Well, I yeah. was thinking about that. I was like, oh, this is like timeline is kind of funky. Yeah. This would never work in like You know, a it makes me think movie. of Minority <laughs> Report where, you know, you just pop in, pop out. But even there you had a little more cohesion yeah well that's curious i probably won't read it so i do think like if i read this again knowing what you know now what i know now you're so erudite it would um it would be easier to keep track of what was happening and right kind of... right maybe matilda would like that one i don't think i would maybe she might no it's like and this book and her other book uh-huh. are all very like you know, maybe you don't. You don't read like a lot of romances. Right. But like there's like a chunk of the romance where there's like getting to know each other and then they fall in love. Right. Her books are like that happens, but then they don't fall in love. Oh. They're twist. Like, they're yeah, they're like you know, romances that don't happen. Right. That sucks. Yeah, kind of yeah. like I don't know, like lost in translation or something. Oh, right. We're right. like, just, Oh no, it's just Yeah. Now it's done. done. We're done. Moving, moving on. Yeah. Next. <laughs> um, and you know, that's realistic. That happens in life. It is. It happens all the time. Yeah. It, sometimes it does. It's not your choice. It, it happens. So, right. Yeah. And then it's like, it's kind of a cool paracle. She talks about this guy that she was in love with in like high school and college. Right. And right. Um, it definitely, like she's telling her friend about it and he's like, oh, he was totally into you, like in retrospect. Right. And she's like, he broke my heart. Right. But then, you know, her coworker is obviously like in love with her right. and she's the one who's like nothing there. Yeah. yeah. Not going to reciprocate. Right. Mostly just because she's already chosen to be with her boyfriend. Sure. sure. And the book just ends. There's no like. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> no, she quits her job. Oh, Spoiler dang. alert. See you later. Yeah. She's like, I need to take a break from this after, you know, right. everything that happened. We're done here. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I really liked it, though. Good. Good. I like it when they're both good. Yeah. Yay. Let's talk about something that wasn't good. Oh, let's talk about Pet Cemetery so, then, yeah, shall I just want to say, spoiler alert. Big time. We are going to ruin this movie so bad that you'll wish you never listened. Well, could we ruin the movie... We're just going to ruin your knowledge more, of more than what it happens. does to itself. I don't think you can make crap any more crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's maybe a little harsher than the movie deserves. Well, I have certain areas of, of the movie that I wasn't did a, not like. It a good movie or a good adaptation. It was, crap. it was, but it wasn't like the worst movie I've ever seen. It didn't offend me. Mm. So there's that. Okay. You know? 
Yeah, I, I can see that. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's certainly far, far, far right. it's a bad from adaptation. a real bad one I've seen before. But it, yeah, <laughs> it was a bad movie. Anyway, so everyone remembers we decided to reread Pet Cemetery. Look how cool my version Your is. Your version is awesome. Mine was just paperback. Oh. It was ridiculous. And then um, from there, we were we had hoped to be able to watch the old one first and then watch the new one, but the old one was checked out. Yeah, whoever has that movie out, like return it to the please. library. Please, we'd really like to watch I it. Just really want to watch the oh, old version. Jeez, which I've never seen before. Yeah, I've seen that one. That one was actually pretty scary. So. I had read this review and it was like on the Roger Ebert website, right? And I liked their reviews. And this guy was saying he scathingly reviewed this movie but also he'd mentioned at the beginning that there are some things that people remember as better than they were uh-huh. and the original pet cemetery movie is one of those yeah things. yeah oh absolutely <laughs> it's like, a, it wasn't good it was not good but it i think too that the book and the movie were closer together so you had you know this it was like all the yeah. separation mm-hmm. and all of the pop culture knowledge about pet cemetery you have now and it was set in the same time it period, was, obviously. Yeah. There's well, okay. I'm gonna talk about rereading this first. Right. So Pet Cemetery was published in like nineteen eighty three or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. All the books were. Well, not yeah. mine, mine was the book I just talked about was published in two thousand twelve. Mm-hmm. But yeah, nineteen eighty three. The book that was so scary that Stephen King didn't even want to publish it. Right. You know the backstory of no. that? Mm-mm. So he had uh, switched to a different publishing company and he still had like one book left on his contract with his old one and he was like done working with them so he was like you can just have this manuscript that I didn't even think I really want to publish because it's too scary uh-huh. and they were like okay and then they just promoted the crap out of it because it was gonna like their last <laughs> King book right and it people liked it yeah I like it I liked it I you know I liked it I did. Um, there were some parts, of course, in every book where you're just like, yeah, well, we'll just get well, through this. Well, yeah. And Stephen King, it is dated in, in a lot of ways. It's super dated. And, and I read it first back in the 90s, probably. Yeah. Maybe even the 80s when I was really young. Yeah. And when I reread it this time, I was amazed at the situations and yeah. the languages. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I was just and like, then, like, Stephen King's like the most awkward writer of sex scenes. Oh my gosh. It was like, he's the worst. Like, why does he even bad. try? Yeah. Like, it's like, just fade to black. Next chapter. You're bad at it. to something. Come on. <laughs> you're, you're bad at it. Um, but I read this book. Like I've mentioned before, when I was like in the fourth grade, right. I think it was the first. I think that's why adult it book that I ever read so scary was because you read it when you're yeah. very very young. <laughs> so it is actually quite scary. So that would have been in like the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I remember the most from reading it was the scene where he goes to the cemetery mm-hmm. and digs digs up the boy, digs up his son, oh. and I was surprised rereading it. That that's only like two pages. Yeah, <laughs> like it's pretty short. And right. I was like, I remember this being like it loomed really yeah. Lo- yeah. large in my mm-hmm. um, memory. That was like the scariest I, part. Well, to me. and that wasn't the scariest part to me. I I have to remember what was the scariest part. But I remember reading the part where he goes to dig Gage up, and it did seem like forever that it took him. I mean, he kept dropping the tools. Yeah. He kept I mean, it was it was described in such a way that those two pages were actually two hundred pages. Right. It's, yeah, he does a really good job of building the suspense yeah. at that point because, like, and his wife is trying to get to him and like stop oh. him from from doing it, but she doesn't even know what it's just a bad feeling right. that she has. 
and like the universe is against that happening. Yeah, big time. And um, what's his face? Old guy. Judd. Judd is trying to stay awake so he can stop him when he gets back and, and he just can't do he can't it. Stay awake. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. That's the part I remembered. So like, here's some things that I didn't remember. Let's hear it. I don't think I remember that he was a doctor. Oh. I definitely didn't remember the kid. Gage or? The dead kid. Oh, uh, Pasco. Pasco. Victor. Pasco. Pasco. And or the wife sister plotline. I I did not remember the wife sister's plotline. Yeah, I remember the cat stuff. Yep. The graveyard scene very vividly. Yep. I remember him Um, being the funeral scene where he fights with his father in law. That I remembered. That was just gross. I did not. I did remember quite vividly um, Victor taking him to the burial grounds and saying, "Do not." And him waking up with Mm -hmm. the dirty feet is something that I did remember too. And so as we're talking about the book, there's still, even when you read it today, there's a lot in there that makes you just kind of chuckle at how, how dated it really is. There's this scene Lee, when his wife and the kid, his daughter, go to Chicago at the end and right. they're in the airport and right. the girl's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And she's right. like, let me see if I have a dime so we can right. go to the bathroom. Right. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the collect calls on the payphone. Like, yeah. You just have to pay to use the bathroom? Get in that toilet stall. Yeah. It, there was a lot of stuff that, that just in general doesn't happen yeah. anymore. Yeah. But I... There's still a lot of parts in it that I found were were tense. The tension was built very well. And but then there were the other parts where I was just like I don't want to hear this anymore. You know, where you assign your your way of thinking now mm-hmm. as compared to when you read it the first time and you're like, "Ugh, I cannot believe this. This is the dialogue we're having." <laughs> Like between him and his wife, and he's oh, like, "Oh yeah. my gosh!" <laughs> no, and it's even the stuff like when we were watching the movie the other day, and Matilda's like, "This is a conversation they should have had before they got exactly. married." Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and then that conversation—I mean, so many things about this new movie made me mad in in retrospect because. There was nothing wrong with how it, they were presented mm-hmm. in the book. The, I mean, that conversation about that didn't happen the same way no, in the movie. No, in the it movie, was, they have it, like, in front of the daughter in her bedroom while she's going right, to bed. But in the book, they never even had that conversation kinda, until later. Yeah, in the, and, in the kitchen by themselves right, as adults. And she broke down and told them the whole story, yeah. which she had never done before. They never had that conversation. No. They treat that as... <sighs> Like, that's, I think the movie tried too hard to be a horror movie. It tried too hard. It yeah. Was... Well, there. okay, so let's just talk about how they changed the entire book. Let's just <laughs> talk about that. So so you go into this new movie, and, and the first thing I noticed, besides the accent, the first thing I noticed was... She's like, this guy's not American. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I noticed was that... By not having Judd and Lewis start off as friends, because because in the beginning Judd loves this man and and doesn't even know why. Yeah, they're it, like BFF. They're BFF. He and says, in the movie, like the very first page, he's like, "This is the father I never had." Exactly. And so then, when you start the movie, and they barely even yeah have any interaction, and the interaction they have is tense and unpleasant. Weird. Yeah, yeah. As much as I, I was love so John Lithgow, who plays Judd in the new movie. Mm-hmm. They made him creepy. He's super creepy. And and the first instance you see him, he's it's like, like stalking the man. little girl yeah. in the forest. So it's horrible. Yeah. So this movie, 
like this is what I think they did wrong. First, mm. I think they took a character-driven book right. and tried to make it a plot-driven movie. Right. That's never going to work. No. They, I mean, I can see this intention of being like, we're going to make the wife and the daughter more like bigger characters in this movie and not just be like this man's story about how hard it is to be like the you know breadwinner in the family right but that's what that the book you know like that's not what the story is about the story no. is very much about i'm responsible for my family right and he messes it all up obviously screws it up but in the movie they're like let's elevate these let's make it less his doing and yeah. more just circumstance well and, and then they keep saying it all happened when you moved us here daddy and it's like wait <laughs> Anyway, so they that make was it my so like of the that, or they Wendigo. try to make it so like that's the daughter who has the relationship with Judd, right? Which, and it's not if they're gonna do that, they should have spent more time on it because mm-hmm. it didn't work. It did not. It just made work. it seem like Judd was randomly there at places. Yeah, it was unpleasant, and the attitude and the and the um, flavor of conversation was all negative. It was very unpleasant, and even when. Um, so when they took Church to the burial ground after he was hit by the car and buried him up there, even that was in the in the first one. It talks about so in the mo- in the book. Let's mm-hmm. there, in the book it talks about how when they were on this mission to go, Judd taking him on this. He had, didn't even tell him what he was doing. He said, "Just bring your dead cat and let's go do this tonight." It. it didn't talk at all about that feeling of euphoria they both had when yeah. they were going. It didn't give you any, it didn't set anything up about how compelling it was and how something was pulling mm-hmm, them into mm-hmm. doing it. And then later as Judd's talking about his it experience, just it, it just, he says that you can't, you can't yeah. ignore it. You have to, it's like, you know. There was a few things that they tried to make work with just Judd's dialogue. And it's like, you can't just explain that right. later. Right, And yeah. they also made it seem like something that like, Judd was doing right to Lewis right like no yeah yeah and, well and that's what I say when when they didn't set up that relationship mm-hmm. to begin with everything like, now the seems, movie's ruined it's ru- <laughs> I told you that as soon as it started didn't I was like this is not going to be good <laughs> also yeah. it was very dark I mean maybe yeah. if you're watching it like in the you know after dark right it would be fine, but we right. weren't. No, but I had like you know, like the curtains closed and right. stuff. But there's still <laughs> parts of, where I'm a like, lot of light. I can't see what's happening <laughs> exactly. on the television. Well, that's what Matilda said. She said, "I don't think it was as scary as it could have been if we could have seen the TV." Yeah, because <laughs> it was there was a glare. You couldn't see the dark, dark parts. It was just black, right? <laughs> so that wasn't scary yeah. at all. Where's the zombie cat? Yeah. <laughs> the cat actually. They did a pretty good job with that weird cat, I think. Well, I They made him, like, a little bit weirder than normal. Yeah, and I think that the even normal. that... And then, then he was supposed to be... <laughs> then cats just normally right. are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. The, there were some scary parts with that cat. That cat was very definitely scary, but... And also, during the movie, whenever the scary cat <laughs> came on screen, my dog Paige would bark at it. <laughs> and she would scare the crap out of me. I would <laughs> jump every time. <laughs> Well, I I was super super all right, disappointed. And then we got to Ellie's birthday party and their ages are also different. Yeah. Yeah, so they're supposed to be 6 and 2 and in this one they're like 9 and 2 ish, yeah, something. Yeah, the baby is basically an afterthought gauge. Oh my gosh. Like he might as well not be there. Exactly. There were times <laughs> during the movie where everybody else is out of the house and there's no baby and you're like, well, "Where's the kid?" I <laughs> 
thought that he was part of this whole story. He's not. It's kind of that important. was should have been a little bit of five shadowing right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. So Matilda coined this amazing phrase that actually I have used ever since. Ever since it's only been like <laughs> three days, four days. It's been like yeah, four days. But I've used this phrase several times. <laughs> when it's um, even more than foreshadowed, it's five shadowed. <laughs> There's a lot of five shadowing. A lot of five shadowing. So we should have guessed that they were going to change the nature of the film by him not being part of the movie as much. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're totally ruining this, right? Yeah. Okay. So in the book, Gage, the little boy, is the one who dies. And he is the one that dad takes up to the burial grounds, buries, and he comes back to life. And he's the demon for the, the rest of the book. In the movie... You think it's going to be Gage because he's running towards the road. They did. So Ellie's already in the road with the demon cat because the cat and somehow through this whole movie, they try to make you think that the cat is orchestrating this whole thing. The cat is the Wendigo. So Lewis takes Church and frees him in the woods because he doesn't want to deal with having to kill him, which... I mean, that's just not true to the story. Anyways, right, right. Um, I think, well, whatever. He, so he's like, release him into the wild. And, and Church just walks back. Church just walks back down the highway. <laughs> <laughs> so Ellie goes out into the road to go get Church because she's so excited that he came back because she was so sad that he disappeared. I think, yeah, she felt guilty. Yeah. More than sad. Well, and, and she, because she had kicked Church him out. Bad. Well, she had kicked him out of her room. Didn't want him in there, but... You know, it's all on Lewis because he brought him back. But then it's all on Judd because he showed him the way. Anyway. One of the things, though, I wish that they'd done this in the movie because it is an important part of the book. And I think what kind of ups the scariness. The movie tries to make it so, like, the zombie part is the scary part. When that's not what's scary about the book. Mm -mm. And so in the book, they're out of town for, like, Thanksgiving when Church dies in the road and mm-hmm. they bury him and he comes back. Mm-hmm. And after he, the cat comes back, Lewis goes over to Judd's house and he's like, WTF, mm-hmm. this cat we buried is, like, it's back, back at my, in my house. house. <laughs> smells really bad. <laughs> Acting weird. Yeah. Um, and Judd's like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. We can totally kill this cat again right. if you want to. Right. And he thinks about it and then right. he decides not to. Right. Because um, his wife doesn't want to tell their child about death. Right. That's the whole reason the that whole they thing. don't kill the cat. And why doesn't she want to tell her child about death? Well, that's the whole Zelda <clears throat> part yeah, of the story. But the movie story. plays the Zelda thing like it's some side horror show. Right. Instead, well, and Instead of like a really sad, tra- traumatic yeah. childhood trauma that she had. Traumatic childhood trauma? A traumatic trauma. <laughs> From childhood. From childhood. <laughs> Church traumatic childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So yeah. So in the book, Zelda has um, spinal meningitis, and so she is messed up. She's not ever going to live. She's what, ten, twelve, mm, something right. like that. And um, she's she is stuck in bed. Her spine is all twisted. She can't do much. Um, and Rachel, the wife is left at home with her one day and has to feed her. And, and she's like eight. And she's eight. And her parents have left her home alone with, with this dying sister. sister. Yeah. And she ends up choking on her tongue and actually dying. And so this traumatizes her for mm-hmm. life because she thinks she killed her. And then she's happy she's dead, which yeah. is her problem, is that she's feeling a whole lot of survivor's guilt. Yep. So... um. 
she doesn't want her daughter to know about death because she her introduction to death is so bad. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, in the movie, they try to make it... I, I thought in the book that was pretty horrific. But in the movie, they try to make it something that it just couldn't be because... They had they had her send food up a dumbwaiter, and then they had this girl who couldn't walk, get out of bed, go to the dumbwaiter, and then fall down the dumbwaiter and, and die. And die in the dumbwaiter. <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> and then she's like, has nightmares that she, like, gets. Right. Right. Yeah. Then she gets spinal manage. Well, and I think that's part of the Wendigo, too. Yeah. yeah. Well. She just had a dream that that Zelda came to her and told her that she was going to do the same to her. So right. So anyway, in in the movie, you've got this whole other. So this is what you get instead of like character development, right? You get this whole other uh, line of of what past episodes have happened, and it is dumb yeah it's absolutely dumb what would have been better is if they actually went into the relationship between them and her parents which is so good and messed up in the book yeah it's i mean like, that's serious they did this to their dysfunction. child yeah yeah and then they tried to pay off lewis so that he wouldn't marry her right and then they her dad got in a fist fight with lewis at, at gage's, gage's funeral. funeral and then he was like just go with your parents so that I can bury our son. Right. So anyways, what I was saying earlier, though, is they were, you know, they have this whole conversation, him and Judd, about how he could just kill Church again. And he decides not to. But then later, he's like, I'm going to kill this cat. Right. And when he so Judd tells him all these stories about um, the animals and the one other person that was brought back in the creepy pet cemetery. And. Like they all come back kind of creepy. The book makes it seem back that they are in the movie. They're like they're always come back evil. So he right. should have known better. Right. But in the book, it's not that way. No, but they all even, come back stinky. Yeah, they real smell real bad. Um, but even so, in the in the book, when he buries Gage and then he waits for him to reanimate, he's ready. To kill him if, like, oh, yeah. if he needs yeah. to. Yeah. Well, and I think that, okay, so what they say in the book is that because it was about a week between when Gage right. was killed. He has this killed. theory that mm-hmm. he's just totally made up that he waited too long. Yeah, that the fresher the corpse is, the more like they're living so Right. Well, and then so he plays that out in the end, right? Yeah. So, but that's in the, that's in the book. Right. Yeah. And that's just something he thinks. Yeah. Well, and. We don't get to know because we don't get to hear about the how their relationship goes. So. <laughs> but anyway, in the movie, so you're you're thinking that Gage is going to die because you've read the book. And then uh, Ellie is the one that dies. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes full on crazy, cray cray from there. It's so just, at this point, I'm what? like, this movie is really wrapping up really quick because there's only like, 20 pages left of this right, book right. at this point and then they're like no they're gonna spend the second <laughs> half of the movie having tr- Ellie trying to make kill it people. like a zombie movie it was ridiculous yeah yeah and I was really disappointed because again I mean obviously we have taken a turn we're not in the book anymore mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they had Ellie do the killing that Gage did so it was reminiscent of the same killing and you knew so so 
this um uh what is it a gas very like so like gage is like a creepy child zombie but he doesn't seem to have whatever but he can talk full-on sentences right but she in the movie it seems like has like a personal grudge. She's angry. Yeah. <laughs> She's very, very She's angry. She's like, why did you bring me back? Why I'm going to make you bring all of back, you guys daddy. zombies because I didn't want to be a zombie daddy. Well, and, like, and mm. but then she talks about Ellie is in hell. You know, yeah. it's like it's not even her. But um, the the way that she goes after Judge is, Judd is the same way that Gage went mm-hmm. after Judd. And um, so when the tanker kills Ellie, church disappears so the cat's gone and then you don't see the cat again and then ellie's going to attack judd and judd's searching around hearing creepy and, sounds uh-huh hearing creepy sounds and so of course it's church because he orchestrated this entire thing yeah <laughs> so there's church and then he's walking down the stairs and all you see is this hand come out with a scalpel and totally cut his achilles tendon in half <laughs> it was nasty <laughs> and then and then stab 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 which is exactly what gage did in the book so stab 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 stab, stab. with with dad's scalpel special scalpel yeah in the movie he seems to keep the scalpel in like a special display case in the bag that's under the bed which is supposed to be on top of this is my murdering scalpel <laughs> it's a special murdering for case. my daughter to use later <laughs> when she's a zombie who's angry <laughs> And her cat. <laughs> yeah, but so Ellie kills um, Judd and... The mom has come back. The mom has come back at, with the baby. Yep. So, which is not right because, of course, it's supposed to be the baby that's dead and Ellie stays <laughs> in Chicago with her parents. So it's all wrong at this point. Yeah. So we're just we're just going on for the ride at this point. So then Ellie murders her mom. <laughs> Ellie murders her. Well, okay. So first, Lewis tells Rachel, Ellie's back. Yeah. And then he says, hug your daughter. And she's and, like, ooh. And she doesn't want to touch her. And so Ellie gives her a big old hug. And she was like, pulls her hands away and, and doesn't want her. And then, and then he says, hug your daughter. And she says, no, Ellie's dead. That's not my exactly, daughter. Exactly. Yeah. And so then she goes and locks herself and Gage into the uh, bedroom. They go upstairs. Bad idea. Lady. You know, don't you learn anything from those Halloween movies? When it turns Seriously. out that your husband has <laughs> reanima- reanimated your dead child, you get in the car and you drive away. You don't go to your room and lock I'm going to go the upstairs. Let's go to the second floor. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, Lewis is looking around for Ellie and he can't find her. So he goes to Judd's. He sees that Judd's been killed. And so then he hears screaming and sees that Rachel is trying to get out of the window and Ellie's trying to break down the door to get into the bedroom. And so, of course, Rachel drops the baby out the window and to uh, Lewis to save the baby. Then, and, and just as she's trying to get out, Ellie stabs her in the back and then turns around and stabs her in the gut. It's gross. And they have a lot of conversation then about, you know, I will never, you're not my daughter, you know, that whole mm-hmm. thing. And um, then uh, Lewis locks gauge in the car and says don't open it for anyone not even ellie Mm -hmm. and so you've got the two-year-old locked in the car and lewis is trying to get his uh newly stabbed wife uh, away from his newly reanimated daughter zombie Mm -hmm. and then oh he goes upstairs to get her rachel says don't 
bury me there. Don't bury me there. Yeah. yeah. And so, of course, he's, he, he's not. He's not <laughs> because Ellie knocks him out. And so Ellie, the nine-year-old zombie, drags her mother through the woods mm-hmm. to the burial site, buries her, and she comes back. Yeah. But doesn't he, he wakes up. Uh-huh. He tries to run after them. He goes out there. He makes as far he, as the pet cemetery, the he, non reanimating pet cemetery right where she murders him too exactly and, and then, she he tries to kill ellie yeah so here's you know so he goes out there and ellie has already buried rachel so that's already in process and so then he goes he finds ellie and he tries to kill ellie and as he's trying to kill ellie rachel reanimates and kills oh, him yeah right so then the two it's women so dumb. zombies they, yeah. the females take him up and bury him and then the movie ends. No, 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 wait. And then they take, they all come back down and they go to the car. Yeah, they're like walking towards the car. And they the use the clicker for the car. Beep, 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 beep. beep. Roll credits. <laughs> the movie is over. It's so dumb. Oh my gosh. So it Pet Cemetery is a book about grief. <laughs> and really, the scene where he has to murder his own reanimated child is supposed to be like devastating. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like if you that's kind of like in the zombie literature, this is like the difficult part of being a zombie hunter is when you have to kill your own family. Uh-huh. However, in this film, uh-huh. he's just like, ah, I'm gonna kill like there's no like moment of no. hesitation. No. Uh-uh. There's no grief. No. Nope. There's no nope. like sadness. Right. It's well and in the book it's interesting because he he kills Gage with yeah. morphine. He stabs him with a he bunch of... He puts him down. Yeah. He's, he and, burns and, the house down to burn all the evidence. Right. And Church is killed at the same time. Yes. He stabs him with the needle as well. And and in order to remove Judd from the picture, he burns down Judd's house mm-hmm. and everybody, everything in there gets burned to a crisp. And he's and, like, let's try this again. And then he takes Rachel up and he buries her up there because he made that, um, you know, executive decision. <laughs> The closer to death, the the fresher the corpse, the better the attitude when they return, yeah. right? But, you know, the other thing is that you don't get that whole other side of the story where Ellie is screaming mm-hmm. uncontrollably. Because she keeps having these, like, n- dreams. Visions, yeah. Yeah, visions with where, what's his face? Victor. Victor is, like, telling her that everything's going to be terrible. Yeah, and he said, and as a matter of fact, at the end, Ellie stops screaming because she says, Victor says it's too late, and mm. boom, done. So you're, you know, nobody's living through this crap. And then Rachel <laughs> says, Hello, darling. <laughs> darling. <laughs> and I like, at the end, like the police come, and he's like, I don't know what happened. Dude. And they're like, okay, sorry, Lewis, this is really tragic, bye. <laughs> darling yeah back. well and then they talk about too because because so rachel was killed in judd's house yeah in the book and then and he's like Lewis, if rachel comes back terrible i'll, I'll just, just do her i'll in. just kill her right, again. we'll take care of it yeah. yeah so rachel comes Ra- rachel's killed by gage in judd's house after he has already killed judd so lewis kills gage in Judd's house as well. And then he has this episode of 
I mean, he's on, he, he's inconsolable. He, yeah. he's just it's out devastating. of it. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, I, I, he says something like, I need to use my doctor skills one last time. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, then he goes and burns down the house with Judd and Gage still in the house. And, and then no church. I thought church died outside. I think like because he's he on ran the porch, away though. Oh, he could be on the porch, yeah. But then he drags Rachel up to the thing, and he's so he's because he's already done this, and he tonight. has not slept at <laughs> all. So he's got her it's wrapped in, in a sheet, I think, is a white sheet or something like that. So Lewis's coworker actually comes out oh, to yeah. check on him, and I forgot about yeah, that guy. so so he comes to check on him, and Judd's house is on fire, and there's this audience outside, and they say, "I've got this dead cat." <laughs> right and what happened to it i don't know it just looks dead it's not burnt so you know they found the dead cat but then um this guy looks across the the field towards the woods and he sees who he thinks is lewis carrying a white something up a- yes. up up the trail up to the pet cemetery and he's he heads over there and he follows him and and lewis is like help me carry this up here and he's like no but he keeps feeling that same compulsion to go Mm -hmm. up but he fights it and he's like i'm not going up there and then lewis just leaves him behind and takes rachel up to the top so and then he goes home and he's he says it's he can't remember anything from that day so whatever so much scarier yeah so some people aren't affected yeah. as deeply as Maybe others because apparently. they didn't live there it could be yeah so to me what's really scary about this book is how premeditated everything is like yeah so he has like three days to think about what he's gonna do with church right. after church comes back and before he decides not to re-kill him, kill him. right <laughs> he you know, when he's making like the burial arrangements for his son, keeps in the back of the, his mind like this because his uncle was a undertaker. Undertaker. Thank you. Like, this is what I'll have to do in order to be able to open this coffin again. Right. And they talked about the lead lining. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like and, and Judd says something to him. He's like, you're not thinking about doing this. Right. Like, yeah. don't, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm not thinking about right. it. I'm totally fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in the movie, too. <laughs> Uh, Rachel freaks out and she's like I have to go back to Boston where they're from in the movie and she goes but in the book he's like you and Allie need to go to Chicago and see with your parents right. I'm going to be there like in two days after right. I take care of stuff at work right? because he wants them out of the picture so he can get this very done gauge, right? so it's very and that's like as a kid the thing that Planned. was scary to me is like how much time he spends into planning this right. he has contingency plans for if it doesn't go well Right. that's just horrifying yeah well, uh, yeah, and he knows what the ramifications are going to or be. Could be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's hoping they're not. Right. But he's very, very much aware yeah, that things are going to so go bad. Yeah, but he's so messed up. Well, this is the stuff that he's willing to do. Exactly. I mean, he, he's so damaged. Yeah. yeah. But the thing, you know, the part where the guy comes back, the first guy that they bury after he comes back from war and he comes back and he knows things about everybody there, mm-hmm. that... I mean, that should have been a dead giveaway because... Yeah, that would have been a better creepy flashback than the sister stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 And then they talked about... It was interesting because Norma, Judd's wife... Is dead in the whole movie. Isn't even in the movie. She's been dead for She was supposed to be a major part. Not not a major part, but definitely a a significant part of the storyline. And her book. death in the book kind of informs like Ellie's changing attitude about death. Right. And all this other stuff. Well, and not just that, but 
Um, when how- they brought her back in, you know, when Ellie starts talking all the dirty things about Norma and your wife was this blah, blah, yeah. blah. Well, you don't even have a reference anymore from where that's coming from because they cut out every part of their relationship and, mm-hmm. and Judd's little um, confessions of his ongoings. Infidelities. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's... It was disappointing. Let's just put it that way. It's, yeah. It was something else. Mm-hmm. So we are um, waiting patiently for the first movie to come back. And so when that one comes back, Becky's coming to my house and we're going to do it it. there and see if we're just as disappointed. (laughs) The thing about the thing about the the first movie is that the old guy is Mr. Munster. And so already. Yeah, I did. Because he's creepy all by himself. (laughs) Why is the, the old guy? Why do they try to make him creepy? Like, I really think that. With a better script, like. John Lithgow would have done a really good job. He would have. He can walk that line between like creepy, sweet, nice. neighborly man, mm-hmm. creepy murderer. Right. Like, as it's perfect. Have you seen Dexter? No. Yeah. I mean, he's not pretty with him creepy. In it. Yeah. But anyway, I was. That was my very first reaction when we started watching this movie, and it was not established that these two men were very close. That ruined the whole storyline yep. for me. Yep. You can't take a book that's about relationships and take them all out, make it about jump scares. And there weren't any, I mean, if your dog hadn't barked, they probably wouldn't be as scary. <laughs> <laughs> She has a very loud, commanding bark. <laughs> oh man! And they both of her dogs were gnawing on their bones the whole it time. So cool, like <laughs> atmosphere. Exactly. Booker was very focused on his bone. <laughs> he was very focused on <laughs> both of their bones. Because <laughs> well, Paige kept t- taking his. <laughs> Anyways, I promised my dogs that when they die, I won't bury them. Good. In good. A haunted I... pet cemetery. Anyway, so I would say good on the bone people. Give it a shot. And I would say bad on the new Pet Cemetery movie. Don't even bother. Right. But read the book. Yeah. If you haven't ever read the book, I'm sorry we ruined everything for you. Sorry about that. Maybe. It's still worth it. Yeah. I mean, you know what happens anyway because everybody's told you your whole life. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not like I it's a new book. I don't think when I read it for the first time, I knew what was happening. I knew that dead things came back to life and that's really all you need to know um (laughs) that's true so next time elizabeth is going to be where are you gonna be i'm not going anywhere you guys are just doing this because you wanted to do that movie jennifer's gonna (laughs) it's daniel daniel next time elizabeth is gonna be at the library right so that daniel can come and talk about scary stories to tell in the dark right one of these days, Daniel and I are going to do a show together, and I know. When's that going to be? I don't like not being on the show. <laughs> I don't. He can come on when both of us are here. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Cool. Yeah. Unless Booker runs away again. Poor Booker. So you get him fitted with his no microchips. Like the, well, he has a microchip. He's got to have his uh, Fitbit. Yeah. So the doggy. GPS thing where you can so you can get like the really expensive kind that like hunters use or you can get like kind of a cheaper kind that you have to have like cell service for. Right. 
or there's like a middle ground one, which I think I might eventually get. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think we asked anybody who owns one if they want to yeah. lend it to you. But then I just have to like bite the bullet and be like, "This, I am uh, going to be spending this money on this because it's like 150 bucks. Out. You need to pay off your school loans first. Yeah. Well, and then it's like, <laughs> and so it's $150 for one or $200 for two. Oh. And I'm like, well, then I might as well get two. But then I'm like, I don't really need a second one. You but never know. Paige might it, have a turn of Well, attitude. Booker might lose one oh, and then you'd have a backup for cheaper right. than a whole new one. Sure. No, Paige would never leave me unless it was for somebody else. Right? <laughs> With food. <laughs> no, she would leave me for like, you know, my parents right, or somebody right. she thinks is cooler than me, right. like my parents. Right. <laughs> but she would just run away for like the sake of running away. Like Booker. Right. Yeah. Just to go see he who's likes, got what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's in the adventure. So we went Tuesday, we went up to the woods and I picked mushrooms mm. and we went on a walk and got spring water and went to the lake to go swimming. And I was also like, no one's going to be here. Cause right. it's like school's back now. Right. And so there wasn't, there was like this mom and daughter that were there with their dog and then me and my dog. Uh-huh. And that was it. Nice. And then the one man that comes to go fishing, yeah. Booker goes over to him and he's kind of like waded in a little bit. So it's fly fishing, catch and release and just barks at him. Oh, Eve. Bad dog. I'm like, you're so rude. You don't own this lake. So I'm like trying to call him over back to yeah. me and the guy, was, you know, because he's not close to me. Right. And he's like, keeps looking over to me. But I don't want to be like, my dog's not going to hurt you because right. I'm just like alone off grid in the woods by myself. I'm not right. going to tell some strange man that my dog's <laughs> not going to bite him. But Don't like, worry. He won't bite you this time. He'll bite you if I tell him to. He will kill you. <laughs> Rip your throat from if, your neck. Yeah. <laughs> But don't worry too much about it. Like, come back, Booker's. <laughs> Here's some candy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was so rude. That just is standing rude. there barking just at that barking. stranger. That and he rude. doesn't normally do that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't hang around with him very that much. That guy might have been bad news. He could have been, been a like, murderer. He may have put his children in the pet cemetery and yeah. Booker was just trying to help you out. And then he's just trying to forget about it by going fly fishing. <laughs> Catch and release. Catch <laughs> Some self care. <laughs> okay. I think we're done, Becky. What say you? I say that's great. Let's do this then. This has been your shelf or mine. I'm Becky. I'm Elizabeth. Bye bye. Bye bye. Studio time for Your Shelf or Mine is donated by KLOG, Cook and Country, and 1015 The Wave. We at the Longview Public Library thank our local stations for their ongoing support. Your Shelf or Mine jingle is written and performed by Megan McEldry from A Song for You. Find Megan on Facebook or Twitter at Meg McEldry or online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McEldry. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McEldry. I love SpongeBob. It's an unnatural love.